0: Log Talk Radio.
1: February 13th, 2013, two 13s. February 13th, 2013, you know what, the other day I was listening to a, a recording of this show from September 17, 2008, Jennifer McClure was the guest, Jennifer McClure, and I was kind of surprised that it took 20 minutes until we really started having a conversation, but when we did, the first thing she said was this, you can't Be in recruiting for big money, because then you're going to put people in the wrong company and the wrong jobs just to make a sale. Well, then Jerry called in to argue with her, and I myself thought, hey, that sounds kind of naive, because the money is why people do recruiting. No matter how much they say they love it, nobody would do it for fun. You know, but Jennifer, she's not naive. And here's what she really meant. If you're greedy and all you care about is making money, you're not going to do a good job. And then I read an article about Steve Jobs. And you know what he said? He said a company grows by turning out great products. But at some point, they get greedy and they start to focus on sales. And that's when the company starts to go downhill because the product the company delivers is what really drives success and when they stop focusing on that the end is near peggy noonan she wrote the article she says that's what's wrong with politicians too the good sales person the person who interviews well is the one who charms the public and the one who gets the votes and she's not necessarily the one who's really focused on the product And it's funny, you know, that's something I asked Jennifer McClure. I said, Jenny, you're a leadership coach. It was election time. I said, Barack Obama and Sarah Palin are both good speakers. Is that a key requirement of leadership? And she wouldn't comment. But Peggy Noonan says, no, it shouldn't be what counts is experience. I said, hey, that makes sense. But then I thought, hey, nobody had more experience than Lyndon Johnson, so I wonder if she'd consider him to be a successful president. But I can tell you something that's obvious. We don't focus on sales here, so what's the obvious conclusion? We must be pretty good on
2: Jerry. Jerry, what show is this? This is the Recruiting Animal
3: Roll,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, Jerry, <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. You, you know this
1: week I read that Megan Fox. I don't really know who she is, but I know she's good looking.
0: She said she's she has. She's hot. Yeah, she said she has to control
1: her sexuality, or it's going to overflow. Oh
0: my and Didn't goodness. you
1: say something about yourself like that on Twitter?
3: I said something about myself like that on
4: Twitter.
0: Yeah, I thought you did. Really. Okay, maybe it's Scotty to keep Love, calling. the
4: guest. Are you hey. there? Hey, how are you? Good. You sound great.
1: Hey, what a great line. Solid. Solid, solid, solid
4: man. Solid,
1: man. Solid. Yeah. Do me a solid. Do no tin no cans
4: and string here, buddy. That's right.
1: <laughs> okay. Scotty, we've all met you. Rianne yes. met you. I met you. Jerry met you.
4: Okay, so at, we're all the, buddies
2: here. Okay. At the
4: 2008, uh, what was it, Recruiter Recruiter Fest, yeah,
2: you remember. And,
4: sure. and the World Series of Poker Recruiting Tournament at Jason's house afterwards, right? Oh, and
1: you're a professional gambler. But Jerry, used beat, to be. you Jerry beat you at the table, didn't he?
4: Well, I came in second. Jason's uh, sister came in first.
1: Okay, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> Your elevator speech, please.
4: My elevator speech – well, I do two things. One of them is I'm a practitioner of executive search. My niche is within the legal community. It's a very Mm -hmm. precise niche. I recruit partner-level attorneys for law firms just within Washington, so basically I grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers. That's my core focus, doing headhunting at that level. I recruit candidates that are not looking, that are successful. I do a lot of cold calling. I use the phone as my primary research tool to engage them in a dialogue yeah, okay, for the fine. people thank I call. You, thank you. You, you said bet. something
1: I didn't understand. You grow law firms? Is that
4: That's right. Because Give, me that line again.
1: Give me that line again because it sounds like law much firms.
4: Today. I grow law firms and accelerate attorney careers.
1: When do you use that line? I mean because it sounds so prefab. If someone said that to me, I'd, I'd feel alienated. Quite That's crazy.
4: exactly what I do. People say, what do you do? Well, it's a double sell. I grow law firms. I add value to law firms by bringing what they call lateral candidates over from one firm to another, and they bring their clients with them. So basically it's top-line revenue. There's no fee resistance because you're bringing revenue in the door. When a lawyer in the United States goes from one firm to another, his clients can go with him. There's nothing the, the firm can do about that.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Okay. You said we charge fees. Recruiters can charge large fees because we find people who are not looking – and we get them to consider a move. There's two implications there. The company can find people who are looking on its own, and you have to be able to sell these passive candidates. So you believe that recruiting is primarily a sales job. Is that right?
4: It is. It's the purest form of sales. Why that? Because you have a double sell. You've got to sell your services as a professional service provider to the end user, to the customer, the client, the company or the organization that's hiring you. Okay, let me ask you a
2: question. Let me ask you a question.
1: You just moved into this niche recently. Is that right, yes or no?
4: Like in the last two years. Like the last two years. years.
1: Okay. Well, how long did it take you to get your… to to get running because if you're trying to sell someone on a move, you have to really understand their careers. When you're new in a niche, you don't know anything. You call them up, and you sound like an idiot. How did you avoid that?
4: You're absolutely right. Well, the very first call I made was to a prospective client, but it was a referral from their director of marketing. I submitted a query on helperreporter.com. I'm looking to interview managing partners of law firms in Washington, D.C. for a publication that I'm writing an article for on law firm leadership. So, the, so I got a lot of queries, responses from that. One of them was from a director of marketing of a law firm. He said, call so-and-so. He's our managing partner in D.C. So I called him. I said, your colleague in your corporate office referred me to you. I'd like to interview you for an article. Long story short, we, he invited me up. We played golf. I told him I'm looking to get into legal. I've got you know, so many years at the time, like maybe 15 years of search experience and he was kind of uh, he kind of was uncomfortable by that but by the time we finished we we're on our second beer he said listen we'll give you the best education in legal you help us grow our firm so i got kind of lucky early on i had no, one no, client no, no no
1: no no, you played a trick and with the, the, it worked but then the guy you know
4: caught on No, to wasn't said, a trick. it was authentic the trick
1: was you you no no you put out a, a a query when you were had a a double motive you really wanted to get caught. i always have
4: i always have two or three objectives in everything i do and you're absolutely right so
1: Okay, but it did alienate the guy. Somehow you were able to win him over anyway. Well, how did you do that? Because obviously you said he didn't like it when he heard, hey, this guy's trying to get business from me. He doesn't really care about what, you know, I think Actually, he, next Actually,
4: he brought yet. it up. By, it was like when we're on the seventh on uh, on the seventh, on the seventh, seventh fairway, you know, we're getting to know each other. He said, well, tell me about your practice. And that's when I said, well, I've been doing search for so many years in this niche, and I'm looking to get into legal. And it was kind of like, oh, gosh, I thought you'd been doing this a lot longer. You know, why, why would someone that's writing about this be brand new? Well, that's how I think. I, I want to I I learn as much as I can and how I do that is by writing and spending time thinking about the business and so uh, by letting him know that I've got competence in the core essentials of search which is and there's 3 of them and we can talk about this later but influence resilience and achievement. You know I said I'm a master of this. I've created a training company where I train recruiting firms. In fact, many of the search firms that you've done business with have my my CDs and DVDs on their bookshelves. Did,
0: did you actually talk
1: like that to people like giving a speech or are you just talking like that like me cuz you're in an interview?
4: Oh, well, only when I'm being interviewed like this. Mostly what I do animal is asking questions. And like what you said, the, the people when you talked about being a good interviewer, the high level prospects, they make judgments about those people that they're going to work with based on the quality of the questions that are asked. And so because I was entering a niche that I didn't have a lot of domain knowledge or expertise in legal, I, w- I had no choice but to ask questions. But what I found was that it bonded people to me because I took an interest in them, and I'm good. I'm a good question well, so your,
1: your selling point was I'm, a, I'm an excellent uh, headhunter, and you had a huge footprint because you have all these – you know people that you've trained, right?
4: That's right. And so my expertise was sales. So when someone would say, "Why should we work with you recruiting high-level attorneys when you're not an ex-lawyer yourself?", and I would respond by saying, "That's exactly why you should work with me." That's an because answer. You
2: just answered Daryl
1: Disco's question. By the way, he wanted to ask you yeah. that. But but I'll follow up on it. You're not a lawyer.
2: You, no. These are
1: you said mistrustful people. They're very yep. close to the chest.
4: They're very guarded.
1: I don't know if you said, they're making between 500000 and $1, 000, 000 a million dollars a year, okay? That's right, so yeah. So when you call up and you don't know anything about their business, what's that and you say, yeah, I want to move you to another job, and I'm going to persuade you because I've seen your, you the way you handle objections. We'll get to that. But, you know, you say, look, I don't want you to miss out on something that could be really good for your career.
2: How, how do you –
1: who's making that noise? Oh, <laughs> someone put us on hold. Yeah, that's what's. hey, turn off –
4: that sounds I'll like canned elevator music to me.
1: I'll bet it's Jerry of it's all people. It's not me.
3: Not Who me. Who is it? Who cares? <laughs> Go with it, man. Okay.
0: okay. You can't I'm roll gonna through gonna this. You a need to get out of over
3: this. Hold on.
1: Turn everybody off until I find out. Turn off the right one. What number? What's your area code? Scott? Scott? you He's probably gone. Everybody's gone but me and 952. Eight one eight. I guess that was it. Let's
2: see. Yeah, that's
1: it. Found it. Figures it was the very last one. I'm sorry, everybody. I just can't talk over this music and no. uh, Cora, Cora retired, so we don't have to listen to her. I love Laura Cora, to tell you the truth, but we, you know, she always did her dishes while she was listening to the show, and we could hear it in the background there. Uh, okay, Scotty, where were we? I was saying. You know, you call somebody up who's mm-hmm. suspicious. He's a lawyer or she's a lawyer. They're making big money. If they're doing well, they have to have a good reason to move. And you want to convince them that you know what's good for them, and you really don't. How do you do that?
4: Yeah, that's great. Most recruiters will call up a candidate, whether it's in the legal space or any other space. They'll call them up and say, Hi, Jerry. My name's Harry the Happy Headhunter. I'm with Headhunters Are Us. I've got a great opportunity that I want you to consider. It's in a city you've never been to with a company you've never heard of, and I want you to make this move in the middle of the school year so I can get a fee. I mean they call up and they pitch, but I don't do that. The model I use is something that I've developed, and I'll share it with you. I can elaborate as much as you want. But basically I call them up, and I engage them in a dialogue about what's what's in their best interest. uh, Brilliant. even going back to uh, – let's take it one step back further. Uh, I think that a recruiter, a good headhunter, has to have a core value system where you put the needs of other people ahead of your own. If all you're in this for is just to make bucket loads of money, well, you might as well sell drugs to high school kids if all you care about is making money. You, know, you, might, as well, you might as well find something that's going to make you just tons of money. Yeah, hey, you can, and we you can got do the that. point
2: you
1: agree with Jennifer McClure, okay?
4: Well, no, Here's no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I am not saying that. I'm saying that the creation of wealth is nothing more than a transference of value. So you want to find how can I create just so much wealth in other people's lives? You know, so much value. Uh, You know, well, okay, how, how you keep... do that?
2: I got, you know, I told Peter Cassenji.
1: I listened to him yesterday uh, on uh from Kalenpin. He was on uh Drive Through HR, and I said. Peter, if you're going to make a statement like that, you've got to get granular because we get granular here. If you're telling us for the last five minutes that you've got an approach, give us an example. Tell us how it works so we can believe you, okay? Sure. No
0: high-level answers here.
4: Okay, good. So I call up a candidate. You're a candidate. I engage him in a dialogue. So I'll say, hello, Jerry. Yes. And I'll say, Jerry, my name's Scott Love. We don't know each other, but I've got to talk to you about something I'm working on for a client of mine. Do you have a few seconds? So I've got – they're going to say yes, and they don't know who I am. I have – if I tell them I'm with the attorney search group, all of a sudden the walls come up, and they're not going to listen to me. They're going to shut me down. They're going to say, no, Uh, listen, you're a head on her. I'm not interested. So what I want them to do, I'm going to build an authentic relationship in a very short period of time, and I use small affirmative answers to move that relationship forward to the point that we have rapport. And then finally, yeah, we yeah, have yeah, trust. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Okay, wait, I'm, getting, I'm getting I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting
4: there. Hold on, hold on. I'm getting there. So then, then I, I tell them. I say, I work. You know, I work for a company where I own the company called the Attorney Search Group. All we do is partner-level recruiting. And then I tell them my unique selling proposition. I say, what's different about our firm is that we become very close friends with the candidates that we place in our clients because we care to make sure it's a good long-term fit for everybody. You know, they've never heard anything like that before. From our competitors, they'll hear things like, I graduated from Harvard uh, Law School. I worked with Hogan Lovells for four years as a practicing attorney, and now I do partner recruiting. You know, so that's what they're going to hear. You know, our I want to be your friend?
1: What does that mean? I yeah. like the Harvard <laughs> stuff better. Go ahead. Well, listen, Tell listen. me on that. I want to be your friend?
4: What's different about us is that we become very close friends with the partners that we place in our clients because we care enough to make sure it's a good long-term fit. We're kind of like the talent agent or the sports agent for top lawyers in Washington. Uh, in the course are doing a search. No, you're not.
1: No, you're not. Because Gary <laughs> Maguire worked for that Cuba Gooding. You work for the company. That's, you're wrong. You're way off base.
4: <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm just let me finish. Let me finish. And then I then they're like then they're listening. They're either not interested, but I've still got their attention. And then I'm going to ask them. Your background, I believe, I'll tell them, your background fits what I believe is an important need for hey, a client just of mine. Let me say something. Sure. Oh, Karen <laughs> Siwak, the
1: resume strategy, she says elevator in music, it's that kind of show. No, it isn't. Don't you say that, okay?
2: <laughs> this is
3: real, Karen. This is real. <laughs> Go ahead.
4: Okay, all right. And then I want to come back to some other key points that have to be in place before you even start talking to No, I want to hear you. You're, you're a friend. I challenged you, and th-
2: you're not going to get away with dodging
4: that. Yeah, no, and how, I'm how responding, you to, your I'm responding to your challenge. If you're not there after three months, are you going to pull him and move him somewhere else? So uh, let me get to Let me move on. So then well, I'll No, say, no,
1: what, no. What, no what, well, just one thing. What, how does that friendship manifest itself in real, actual terms, not in a general statement, in a real granular way?
2: Please, I'm begging well, you.
4: Tell well, the me. the people the people I recruit are people that I would call soul readers. They can read into the soul of someone over the phone because they have that much business acumen and expertise, and you know, you know, they've been practicing for years, so they know when someone's calling just to pitch something. And so we call them not to pitch, but to, uh, but to explore, to you know, find you're out. They're not
1: Atlantaers. They know you want to make money and lots of it.
4: Yeah, well listen, wait, wait 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 let me let me let me get there. And so so I'll tell them, I'll say, I think your background might fit. What are your thoughts about hearing about other things? And so in the verbiage that I ask them, I'm not asking them Do you want to make a move? What are your thoughts about exploring other opportunities? I don't ask them that. I ask them questions that are going to get small, affirmative responses. What are your thoughts about hearing about other opportunities? What are the action steps someone takes when they explore something? They've got to write a resume. They've got to go get on a train, go on a plane somewhere. It's going to take a lot of time. What are the action steps that people take when they hear about something? I can just sit right here and hear. So I'm going to get some yeses. Now, about half the people that you call are going to be what I call no-clicks. No clicks. They're going to say, I appreciate the call. I've been here 17 years. I'm not looking to move. I get calls all the time. Have a nice day. Click. You're not going to get past that. So 100 people you call, half of them are going to give you the no clicks. About two out of 100 did, are going to say – Do they actually
2: hang up on you
4: though? No, not not really. Not really. But that's, that's the sense that you get. They're saying, no, and I'm not letting you through. I'm not going to let you use your Jedi mind tricks and build a relationship with me. It's not going to work. So half the people are going to be like that. About 20% are going to be very open. They're going to say, "Let me close my door." There there is something going on, so let me kind of progress in the dialogue. So about half of the calls are going to be I'm getting some rapport. Half of them, no clicks, nothing. So about 20%, there's going to be a yes, and the 30% there in the 50, it's going to be what we call a no nice. Within our office, we measure this. So no nice, it's no, but there's we're having a rapport here. And out of those 30% of our calls, we're going to get either conversions, we're going to take them from a no, I'm happy where I'm at, to maybe I should talk to you. And we use that through our dialogue, or we're going to get referrals or intel or other information. So every conversation we try to harvest value from, if it's no click, you can't do anything with that.
1: Sooner or later, you're you're not going to make me forget what I asked you. What do you say to you know, make this person actually want to be your friend when he knows you're in it for the money? But before right. I get to that, let me say I have a sponsor who's not paying me. I had to go out and buy a URL so I could tell you where to go. But that's just a sign of how much I believe in this guy, how much I believe in my good friend Chris Russell. He's got an app, a free app for your iPhone. Go to recruitingnewsfeed.info, recruitingnewsfeed.info. You click on that app, it's free, and it starts feeding news from all the main recruiting websites and the Recruiting Animals Show into your phone. Isn't that fantastic from Chris Russell? Now, my guest today is a big proponent of reading at least two pages of material about your business so you can learn something. And He doesn't say just read two pages because you're an idiot and you can't read more. He knows you're a busy person. And then if you make too big a commitment, you won't do anything. Two pages. You can get it from RecruitingNewsFeed.info. Scott Love, wasn't that the most fantastic commercial That's you've excellent. ever
4: heard? Excellent. Makes me want to go get it right now.
1: Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, why not? RecruitingNewsFeed.info. Now, Now, you're going to tell me when you get somebody who says, let me close the door, what happens then? And I have to say something against the resume strategy again, okay? Even though she helped me last week, I want to say something. She believes that talking about cold calls, and so does Jerry, is a waste of time. But what we're talking about right now is the guts of our business, isn't it?
4: Right. Yeah, absolutely. So when they say, let me close my door, then I'm going to find out from them. Uh, And and I learned this. This goes way back to 1995 when I started in the business. I went to a two-day seminar given by Peter Lefkowitz, and I've got to give him credit because some of the the foundational ideas that I built my practice on – Really came from that 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 the seminar, and it basically the, what he taught and the way I teach it, it's nothing more than Socratic selling. You're asking questions. If I tell you something, well, that's my idea. But if I ask you something and you come up with the answers, you have ownership of that. It's you know you have the emotional equity tied to your answers. So uh, basically, what I'll do, I'll say. So let's say we're in that scenario again. They're on the phone. Let me close my door. And I've got them on the phone. They're like, okay, what's going on? Or what's up? And I, so I'm talking with them, and I'll say, well. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions about your situation there, You know, uh, so, and I'll tell them. I'll say, you said that you're open to hearing about things, and I found that most partners respond that way for one of two reasons. One reason is they're just curious about what's out there, or the second reason is because there is some genuine frustration that they're experiencing within their law firm. Where would you put yourself in those two categories? So I'm going to move them forward. I'm moving them forward if they say, I'm just curious. Well, that's either truthful, or maybe it's not completely true. Maybe they just don't trust me. I've had candidates where, you know, we have a, a pretty superficial conversation. Then when I meet with them, because I meet with everybody that I put in front of a client. You know, I come to Washington. I'll, I'll take them to a you know to breakfast, lunch. I'll have them come to my office. I rent space here when I'm here, or drink after work. And and sometimes 45 minutes into a seventy dollar breakfast, they're going to tell me. I'm really frustrated with my firm. There have been some bad leadership decisions made in the last 10 years that I've seen, and it's on a downward trajectory, and I just don't know if we're going to be around. I had, had these guys tell me that. And so I think it's just because I know that I'm serious about this. You know, I've got skin in the game. I'm coming here and I'm, I'm talking with them face to face, and they you trust me. You
2: think that Jerry believes that's
1: very important. You do too.
4: I do too. It depends on the level of search that you do. If it's administrative clerical, if it's mid-level managers, you, know, you, can, you, don't probably, you don't have to meet with everybody. I did placement for years where I wouldn't meet with them until I'd fly out to meet with the client after I placed three or four people within their company. And then, and then I, I found by doing that that the face-to-face really insulated me from risk of losing a client because they might get calls from other, other, other recruiters, but because I met with them, I'm their guy. I'm the guy that they know. I'm the guy that they trust. I remember the first time I did this – or not the first time, but one time I did this, I flew out, met with the company owner, met with his son who's taking over the company, met with their COO. They wanted me to sit down with their CFO, meet their VP of operations. I knew everybody in a one-day trip, and so I really built my internal brand within that firm just by, by taking the time and the expense of my own money and meeting with them. And I think this is why a lot of people – and that one thing I told you about Twitter, I think that Twitter, for a lot of third-party headhunters, is it's time wasted in trying to escape rejection. They think that I can tweet about my job when instead they should be building authentic relationships with people that are not looking to move. Those are the people that have the most potential value for employers and, and really building that relationship. And let me ask
1: if anybody who's on the line wants to ask you a question. Nobody's interrupting. Anybody want to talk to Scott? They always say, I never let them
3: talk.
2: <laughs> it's
3: dead air, okay?
2: We don't we'll say that. We'll,
4: we'll, 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 I can, we'll talk about card counting show, if you want. This
3: show's right on track, man.
4: We'll talk about card counting if you want, Animal. We can yeah, talk I, about that. Yeah, yeah
1: uh, I will. You know, I, I, met, I told you, I met Scott. I went to his class at, at Recruit Fest, and he's a nice guy. I, I asked him before. Thank do you, you. You know, do you come across like a... A hard to, a hustler. He doesn't come across like that. Although Jennifer McClure said, soon after uh, what I was part of the conversation I referred to, she said when she was the VP of HR, she hated recruiters because they all came across as hustlers.
2: Right. Now, the thing,
1: the thing is though, I still haven't figured out how you can come into a, a new field and tell people you want to help them at, at advance their careers and make them money and blah 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 and grow law firms, and yet you don't know anything about law firms or law careers. How can you do that?
4: Because I know about people, and that's what I conveyed to my clients. And I told them, you know, my expertise where I excel is getting complete strangers to trust me, to open up to me, to tell me what their frustrations are, and to give me permission to share your opportunity with them in a way that they see serves them. And they know that because my commitment is to creating a mutual satisfaction of needs between you and them and nothing else, that, and they know I'm committed to that. You know, and that's the line that I draw. If I have an opportunity, that I I do not think is going to benefit a candidate, I can't talk that candidate into going forward. You know, That's the line I'm not going but to how cross. How can you
1: even know? That's my point. Now, your guy, you, you locked into something at that golf game. The guy said, I'll give you an education. So you, yeah. had some, you, had, yeah. you had a client who supposedly was willing to give you all the ammo you need. I don't know if they did.
4: but and, and, count- and, I, and I worked hard in developing in that and fostering that so that even though he left his firm, I've been able to build – at least 25 other connections within that firm and get exclusives and retainers and meet the chairman and right now we're doing several deals within this firm and so you know you could say I lucked out and I did but I did a lot of things right you know a lot of it was just building my domain knowledge of salesmanship how to connect with people how to talk to them in a way that they trust you and that's a skill it's something that can be taught if someone says I'm just not good at that you know there, there are dozens of books I always tell people do yourself a favor take a $100 bill Go to the bookstore and buy $100 worth of sales books and learn how to talk to people. But yeah, I foundation- don't know if
1: sales books help you. I do have to say, I put a link on uh, the Recruiting Animal Show. Dot, just not the Show dot com. There's a link to about at least a dozen videos of Scott, and they're fun. They're fun to listen to on YouTube. Uh, and there's also a link to his CD products. Uh, so you might want to do that. That's right on RecruitingAnimalShow.com. But what's. What's your your, your websites? You've got a few of them. I want to give them to yes, us? Yes,
4: uh, with my training business, it's greatrecruitertraining.com. dot com, and I don't do as much live training anymore. Uh, you know, I don't speak at conferences. Most conferences don't have the budget, so it just doesn't make sense for me to go. I love about once a month though. I love going in house and doing in house training with search firms, where I get to know people, and, and, I, and I absolutely love that and, and solving some of their so p-
1: that's big
4: greatrecruiter.com, But you've also uh, great dot com.
1: Great was it? Greatrecruitertraining.com. Yep,
4: greatrecruitertraining.com.
1: Okay, now your business site though, people might want to take a look at it because you you have articles there too. They might want yep. to see how you run it. What's what's the it's web
4: attorneysearchgroup.com?
1: Attorneysearchgroup.com. Scott Love is your Twitter address, which you say you. Uh, it's a waste of time, but that's who you are. And are you related to <laughs> Davis Love? Are you related to Davis Love the third?
4: Uh, I taught him how to play golf. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. Sure. No relation. No relation.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh, you know what? Greg Durgarian is listening today. He's another one of my favorite sponsors. If you start up an IT recruiting firm where you're putting out people on contract, developers, programmers, mm-hmm. and you don't have any money to pay these guys, he'll help you. He'll come in, and you can be in business the next day as long as you know what you're doing. He'll give you all the software you need, and he'll fund you. Okay? And that's TempWorks.com. TempWorks.com. He used to have a TV show. I have to tell you, it was very good. He Seems like a very smart guy. Um, and uh, he's out there in Minnesota, I think. Anyway, okay. Does anybody have a question before I move on, or do you want? Is there something natural, uh, a natural way that you want to go with this?
4: I think. I think just. I like talking about this dialogue. I, I hope I can add value to people by giving them a model yeah, of communication. The best way
1: you're going to do the dialogue, though, which is if you if you keep saying, if you start going to a specific that you said. Some lawyer, tell me a story. I've people this, and I send you the literature, goodinterview.biz. If someone wants to be a guest on this show, go to goodinterview.biz, and I tell you exactly how to be a good guest. Think of a real story. Do you have a story for us about how you recruited somebody, or how yeah. you turned someone around? A Absolutely.
4: real life story? Absolutely. There's well, a candidate that I talked to that he was happy where he was. He really wasn't looking, but well, actually, he wasn't happy. He said, that I, I've been here for about 10 years, and I just think that there's not going, to, it's not going to be worth my time. But he was very cynical about this, but he had a trust level with me, and he emailed me and said, Scott, I'm not going to go forward. You know, I appreciate your time, but I'm not going to go forward in light of the time and energy that it takes for me to move my practice again. Basically, he's saying the devil that I know is better than the devil that I don't know. It's not great here, but I'm just going to suck it up, and so – I tried to reach him. I couldn't. I emailed him. And what I use, I use principles of ethical influence. Uh, That's you know when I talked about the three core competencies of recruiting. It's influence. How do you get other people to do what you want them to do and thank you at the end of the process? Influence resilience. How do you bounce back from adversity and use adversity as energy that moves you forward and achievement? How do you put yourself in a state of achievement and pick up the phone when it weighs 40 pounds and do your give you your best effort every hour of every day? And so. Going back to influence, I, I told him, I said, I appreciate what you're saying, but instead of considering spending the hours and the hours that it takes to move your practice, just meet with my client for one hour. So I used the contrast principle. I used, That's one of the Cialdini's, Robert Cialdini, and his website is influenceatwork.com. Uh, you, know, you can use those principles as tools to move people forward. So I used the contrast. I, I used a principle of of social proof. I said that's, I've placed a
1: contrast in. principle. I want to hear what is it.
4: It's it's where you contrast one thing with something else to make a point. Now how do so you do that? I, I I said instead of looking at the hours and the hours that it takes investing time in this, all I'm asking for you to do is spend.
1: Oh well, I cut you off. Sorry. I
4: cut and if you off you, and uh, sorry, was that I'm one hour?
1: Okay, What's sorry, the, I cut you off for a second. All I'm asking you to do is spend
4: spend one what hour of your you? time.
1: That's a puppy dog close. You say, look, you're not sure. Go out to my client. And then you figure out once, he's, once he gets there, once they get the puppy home, you mm-hmm. like Brian Tracy. I learned that from him. Right. Just take it home for a night. See if you like it. Once they right. get it home, the kids like it. They'll never let it go. So you're saying the same thing. Just go out and meet with them for an hour. I do the same thing, too. And then, you know, if you like it, fine. If you don't, you know, forget about it. That's, That's right. the puppy dog clothes, essentially. You were dressing it up with all the fancy uh, Cialdini, psychosis. No, 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 no. no. But uh, it's
4: let me give you puppy some other dog examples. clothes. Let me give you some other examples. I also said, based on what people I placed within this firm told me that had the same concerns you did, and other people that have interviewed there that were disappointed they couldn't join them because of some fixed incompatibilities, this is what they told me. So I didn't give him my opinion because my opinion doesn't count. I'm a recruiter. I have an agenda. I want to collect the fee. That's how other people see us. So we have to communicate. What
1: if you don't have that MO? What if you haven't placed any other people at that firm? Sorry. Well, then you can tell.
4: These are you can you can do your research from your client. Tell me success stories about people that joined your firm that were reluctant to come on board, but they did, and they're glad that they did. Tell me stories of this. You can use stories. Will they do
1: that? I find clients are stupid, and they won't spend the time giving you those stories.
4: Well, you need to educate them, or find another client and you need to set the expectations with the client that you're the authority you're the expert this is your this is your show and you're going to guide them and lead them to a place that serves them and tell them you know and, and explain it uh, to them in a way that makes sense to the client. Uh, Do you actually
2: say to somebody,
1: look, I'm going to lead you to a place that serves you? But just mm-hmm. Like Jennifer McClure says,
4: I'll say you're I'll help say, me I'll...
2: help you. Help me help you.
4: I'll say let me tell you how I work. Uh, Let me tell you how it works. This is what we're going to do for you, and this is what I need from you, and this is what I'm going to give to you. I just want to make sure we understand each other. So one example of this is the, uh, the amount of time that it takes to hear back from a client when you leave a message for them. Any client I have, even if we have a great meeting, I'm going to tell them. It's very important for you and I to have a close working relationship. Anytime I leave a message for you, it's important for me to hear from you that day or first thing next business day, and that's because there's a window that might close on us, and I need to know that you and I can communicate quickly and swiftly. With and do each they all. always
1: agree to that? Do they always yeah. agree?
4: And yes, yes, they do, and if they don't, then they're not a good client prospect for me. Daryl
1: Disco, Daryl Disco, a regular listener to the show, is listening right now. Mm-hmm. He said last week he was adamant that you have to fire certain clients because they will abuse you. certain people will abuse you. Would you agree with
2: him
4: i I agree, and I think you should lose fifteen percent of your clients every year, you know ten to fifteen percent by always marketing, always going out there and doing rainmaking to build your brand, get the call, always elevate the clients that you have because some clients you 're going to outgrow. Uh, you want to get three things you want to get more business well i'll tell you in a second you want to get more business which means you want to get more client prospects you want to get better business higher quality relationships that means they appreciate you they return your call they invite you to meetings they fedex you the check they give you exclusives and retainers and then all the business eventually you want to get all the business from each client that you serve now it's impossible with some large organizations but in kind the same concept is you want to be the first person that they think of when there's a hiring manager. He's worked with about six or seven recruiters over the last two years. You want to be the first recruiter that he calls to say, let me, give, let me give Susie this assignment. You want to be the first person that they think of. Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure.
3: Uh, you were kind of uh, laying out some important stuff there, and one of them was they FedEx you a check? That's right. Oh. Why uh, would you, might- you ask a client to FedEx a check to you? Yeah, just, you're not just, the agency concerned about making money and just making
4: the fee. I just like it. I give him I give him my FedEx number on all invoices, and they FedEx me uh, they FedEx me checks. The, I give them my FedEx number on that. Really? Yeah. That just seems odd. Okay, I've never had anybody question that. So why does that seem odd to you?
3: Well, no, I mean earlier you were talking about how you don't want to seem like the recruiter just interested in the fee, giving the fee. I want to make a big fee. -hmm. And then you're like, "Hey, hurry up and send me my fee."
0: I don't, I
4: don't mean it like that.
3: I mean, I I value highly,
4: I value highly the work that I do for my clients and the value that I do that. But the thing is, I'm not going to discount my fee if I, you know. I'm not going to discount it just to discount that. I do this, and I charge. And you want to be a recruiter. This is my own opinion. You want to be the recruiter that says I charge a lot for my service, but you're going to end up getting so much more for it than what you pay for. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I think that you need to be committed to providing value first. For each dollar that you get, you want to make sure your client gets the Yeah, that's all well and to... good.
3: I'm just talking about the. Hey, I gotta have my feet now. No,
1: I like that question, Jerry. He'd never get it on another show, but I think. He just likes it. It makes him feel it's his teddy bear. Okay,
4: and I understand.
1: I understand that too. These are lawyers he's dealing with.
2: Don't forget that. Okay. Right.
4: And, you know? and I even I even think that in some uh, in some areas, some industries, it's kind of an ego thing for clients to want to pay big fees when they bring on real star players. You know, it, it's they don't hesitate when they know that they're getting a tremendous amount of value, and you can't, They can't do what we do.
2: How do you fire a client? I think Daryl Disco just asked that.
1: How do you fire a client and you say, I don't want to deal with you anymore? I'm going to recruit your guys instead? I, I,
4: I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't ever have any sort of, of emotional context to it where, oh, yeah, well, take this. You're fired. I would keep it professional. I wouldn't even tell some of them that you're firing them. i just tell them I'm really busy. No, but you, you know, said what, you
1: don't do it just because you don't like them or they're not cooperative. You think you want better. You want, you're want you moving up the chain. You know? You're elevating. That was a good starter client. Now you're, you're right. going for the biggies, and you're going to want to r- recruit from the smaller guys to elevate the careers of the people in them. Will you go back to someone, you place somebody in, and recruit their other staff?
4: I wouldn't do it. Uh, that's my own personal rule: is that I'll never take pe- money, uh, take people away from people that have paid me money, never, you know, even, like, unless not it's been after several year, years and there's the relationship's a, a year all after, different.
1: But you'll, you'll never do it ever in history.
4: Uh, yeah, if, um, if uh, based on the rules of trade associations, they say that anybody from a company can call you and you can use them. It's fair game. Everything's all situational, but as a general rule, if I've developed a relationship with someone, I've grown their company or their or their firm, and all of a sudden. It's time for me to recruit, and they have people. I'm not going to call from that company or that firm. It's just my own personal.
1: Even if you're not dealing with them anymore and haven't done so for three years?
4: I haven't done that. I don't want to say never to anything, but I would feel very awkward about doing that.
3: Some of my my best customers year after year – see, I'm not in this only for two years. Mm -hmm. I'm in this for my life. Right. Some of my best customers, they might not be hiring anybody for two, three, four years, but when they do, they remember us.
2: Us right. good guys,
3: and they give us a call. So, why you would immediately want to turn on somebody just because they haven't hired anybody from you? It really surprises me. It's a mindset that kind I, of. Uh,
1: I didn't say I would, but there's something <laughs> else though. You know, he, he's selling on the fact that he's a, he believes he's a Superman, and he doesn't mind saying so.
0: And maybe you are,
1: but I know I'm not a Superman.
2: So why? I, I never said that. <laughs> what about the average,
1: person? no, no. You say we want to bring you the best, and this, and that, and blah, blah, blah. I'm a mediocre person. You know what? What if? And Jerry's quite frank. It's not in saying that he's a mediocre person. He believes he's a Superman, and I do too.
0: Well, no, let's but talk he about. He says his people are there
1: are mediocre. He says he places mediocre candidates. There's lots of mediocre people no, in No, okay. B level,
0: B level.
3: I'm not saying mediocre.
1: Just a reasonably
3: qualified people interested
1: yeah, what in the about, What about the ordinary person who's not someone like you?
4: Well, I, I, I don't think I'm a big deal, animal. I, I have. I, we're all born in this world the same way, upside down and naked. And the way I teach the business, the way I teach it, is instead of looking at people that have amazing talent that are headhunters in our industry that are just absolutely amazing. They're rock stars. Well, look at them as like a Picasso. They have raw, natural talent. I don't. I had to develop it over years of swinging the bat more than anybody, outworking everybody, really putting the time in and failing more than most recruiters. And as a result, and whoever wants to win the most is going to win because they're gonna do the work to develop themselves. And so you've got two types of people that can do well. You've got the Picassos, and then you've got everybody else like me and you and everybody else, right? But the thing is we're all going to go down to Walmart. We're going to get a $12 paint-by-the-numbers kit that talks about how to become a good recruiter, and we're going to follow that system. And you hold up our end product with the Picasso. You can't tell the difference, and that's the way I teach the business. When a company hires me to come out and train their people or when people come to my seminars or if they're members of my coaching club, I talk about a systems approach to doing search. And that is one thing I am good at is picking apart a situation to assess it and really distill what are those key aspects okay, that I don't know have if I to master you. I
1: just want to give a shout-out to out Valentino Martinez home. at Valentino Benito on Twitter likes the show i appreciate it you can criticize me in public that's my <laughs> motto but he always says nice things about me i just want to say also
3: we have derek zeller asking yeah, uh, uh he's uh, trying to call cool. in he can't number? he can't get through i don't know
1: oh, that's not, he's in washington i think there isn't he maybe that's why okay anybody maybe got any cut questions him Jerry,
3: sean windram question? uh, uh, okay. he's over in the uk or somewhere somewhere past uh, new jersey yeah uh He's wondering what about ordinary roles within an ordinary department. Uh, do you need superstars uh, for every role out there? I don't think so.
4: I mean, I think there's a saying in the industry I've heard, and you guys have also that for every open, you know, there's an ass for every seat. I mean, there's there's someone that's going to take a position that doesn't have to be the A plus caliber person. And I think, and there are recruiters I know that do really, really, really well just placing normal people. Over and over again, or not over, not the same people, but they just place a, a large volume of good mid-level B plus people out there. And uh, there's not one way. That, that's what's interesting about our industry is that there's not one way to do it. You can do it all sorts of ways. You know, there, there's all different ways, and, I, and that's one of my you know something I've really benefited from being a trainer and a consultant and advisor to search firms is that I've been in about 50 different offices. I've consulted to firms all over the world, and I've seen all different ways that this business is done, and there's no one best way to do it.
2: What about getting
1: referrals? Do you get them?
4: Yes. Uh, it's, it, it, do you want to talk about how you get, them, how yeah, you get referrals? From getting...
1: if you, if you don't get them on cold. Can you get a, if you call somebody up and one of those people who have a chat with you and say, Scott, I'm not, not going to move, uh, and you can't move them. Uh, Can you get a referral from the person on that same cold call? Absolutely.
4: I'll tell you how you do that. There has to be a reason why they give you the referrals. For you to just ask your stranger, well, that's not a good enough reason. When they think of referrals, they think of their insurance salesman that comes to their house every six months to renew their policy and won't leave until they give them five names and phone numbers every six months. So every six months, they lose five friends, right? That's what they associate referrals with. We have to build in. We have to reverse engineer a reason for them to want to give us referrals, and it's based on going back to Cialdini's principles, the principle of reciprocity do a favor for them and i figured this out by accident once i was calling an executive on my old niche in construction in alabama he was a vp with the company and i connected with him, and i got i developed a very strong report he wasn't going to leave his company but i told him this i said steve i really enjoyed talking with you And i said listen i want you to reach out to me anytime you want to talk about your career i know you said you're gonna stay there forever but if you get a raise or a bonus and you want to talk about that with me let me know because i keep track of what everybody makes and i'd be glad to help you even if you want to stay with your company. And he said, wow, Scott, thank you so much. And then I realized, then and then there, I'm like, oh, here's an opportunity. He feels a sense of reciprocity to me. So I told him, I said, well, Steve, let me ask you this. Maybe you can help me out on my search. So I'm kind of like, okay, here's the quid pro quo. Maybe you can help me out. Maybe you can give me something. I'm looking for a project manager with hospital experience. Who do you know with at least 10 years of experience, someone that isn't even looking to make a move and might even seem happy where they are. I'm just trying to network with as many people as possible. And he gave me about six or seven referrals. And so I instituted that process in every conversation. If I get a no-click, well, I'm not going to be able to build a rapport, and I'm not it's not going to be authentic. But if I talk to someone and I build a rapport with them, this happened with the conversation yesterday. This is why when I'm training people, I tell stories about my last recruiting call was to a candidate within the last 24 hours, not 1985. I can tell them a story of I had a candidate yesterday who was so against talking to recruiters, but I was able to build a rapport with him, and he started laughing, and we really connected and he's like, no, no, no! I'll help you out. I'll help you. out. You know, out. I let you, what you what talk
2: you? too long. I let you talk too long, and I forgot
1: what I was going to ask you. But I will tell you, Maureen Sherb has a crush on you based on what she said on Twitter. Yeah,
3: I I suspected the same, and I you, you picked up on that. Yeah,
1: well, she was, it to pick was uh, up on it was fairly obvious, wasn't it? She says she feels a soul affinity with you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <She>
0: said, <"What?" laughs>
1: I know where you're saying all the right stuff for her, but yeah, I, I still don't get. You know what? That stuff about I can help you. I'm a recruiter. That's what I was going to. It's do. a
5: soul Next. reading affinity.
1: Yeah. Okay. she's going to come. I told her no. She's going to ask a special question, and I told her she can have the last part of the show. Okay. But, <laughs> but, but, you know what? You can't. They all the coaches. I hope you're listening out there. They all say, look, build a relationship with a recruiter. What for? Don't they say do favors to the recruiter? What? I can do a million favors for you, Scott, and when I'm looking for a job, you might not have anything for me, and I might be one of those C players that you're never going to place. You can't do anything to help people out there. That's not your job, and by telling them, you know, I'll help you, you can't really. That's false.
4: Well, you can say, call me at any time, any time you want to talk about your career. I'd be glad to be a resource for you. When you get a raise or a bonus, I'll tell you how that compares to other people. You can tell them that. No one's, no one's ever going to call you, but they're going to remember that, and they're going to remember that you offered. You offered so to is them that a disingenuous that. Uh,
3: offer? Right?
4: It has to be sincere. If you're not sincere about it, right. you shouldn't say it.
3: Okay, but when you're new in the business, kind of like like inviting your
4: mother in law over for dinner, hoping and praying (laughs) she's going to say, Oh, no, we're busy. (laughs) But But you got points. You got points. (laughs) Something's wrong with my mind.
1: Just like I got to say, Resume Strategy said that last week. If you guys, if I take my mind off it for a second, I cannot remember what I was going to say. And it was good. (laughs) It was good. Oh, boy. Gee whiz. Okay. Yeah. What about email? It sounds like you like making phone calls, but some people like you know sending email or in mail through LinkedIn. When you make your initial contact, is it always on the
4: phone? It is on the phone. I'll leave messages, and then on messages, I also will send out an email. When I within my space, I have access to everybody's email, so I'm going to email. I'm going to leave a message, and then also send them an email. And maybe about one out of eight to you know, one out of five people would respond. Sometimes they just, just say, I'm not interested, thanks. And if, if I have time, I might try to reach those people again. But I leave a lot of messages. Sometimes I'll just dial and not leave messages. I'll just try how them at a messages, different time. How
1: many messages will you leave? You know, once I, – when I first – I used to work for on contract for some of the big firms. And the first time I went there, you know, I, I wanted to take a leap from them. I said, how many messages do you want me to leave these people? And – I. Uh,
4: they like said how many five, And I did it, and
1: then people got. They finally on the fifth call they get back to me, but they were real pissed off. So my
2: rule is three. How many well, do you
4: leave? Well, you can't yell at them in the voicemail. You know, you can't. You can't say I'm gonna, I'm stalking you. I'm not going anywhere. I don't do a lot of the candidate calls. I have a colleague of mine where she does the candidate side now, and she'll set up the meetings and I'll meet with them. That's kind of our system, and she connects with anywhere from about I'd say about forty to fifty people a week. Conversations. That's what we measure. I don't know how many messages she leaves. She leaves a lot, and she's
5: very good in her her expertise. Maureen,
2: Maureen, is your affection
1: for this guy waning because you don't believe in leaving messages at all, right?
5: Well, I don't, but I'm doing something different than what they're doing. No,
1: no, you do a lot of screening calls for your first, you identify the names. And then you'll often go in and do an initial screen for the – Oh, the, you mean they um, –
5: yeah, No, I don't leave – no. I want to catch them live. I want Yeah, to you, don't, well, you don't believe in it, right? And he's mm-hmm. saying you're wrong, okay? I no, wanna... I'm not saying
4: that. I'm saying it's different for every niche. It depends on the type of message. It depends on you – know, you know, there's a lot of variables, but, uh, yeah, but every, every niche is different. You
5: don't let him get away with that, but <laughs> Well, I'm he's saying. right. I mean, he's – He's approaching no, he's attorneys. I'm approaching, you know, just does. He wasn't
1: they're always different niches. approaching attorneys. He worked with construction.
5: Construction. Before. Right. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know what? Other shows will let people try to sidestep that, okay? I won't. That's why you're here. Okay. <laughs>
4: That's good. You have enforcement on this show. Excellent. Okay, Maureen,
1: go ahead. you got your question for him, or you want to make a direct declaration? Your time
5: no, I was easy. curious. You had mentioned, animal, that you had listened to something of Scott yesterday, and he talked about um helping. Firms merge with each other. No, he didn't say he's helping
1: them merge. He said there's a lot of. Uh, he had a uh, Scott has a. There's a couple of things. That before I forget, you. I want to know if you still believe in publicizing yourself through press releases. But put that yes. to see if we get see if we get to that. But you now you've got a podcast of your own as well. What's it called?
4: Well, I have two of them for my recruiting niche. It's the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. If you go to my site, there's about 21 episodes on there. That's the greatrecruitertraining.com site. The other one is the Partner Podcast. Go to com. That's for my search practice. Okay,
1: and you had a consultant. And what you do there, you talk to people in your business. and That's right. And, and one of the guys I was listening to was a uh, consultant for legal firms, if I'm That's not right. mistaken. That's right. A business consultant. He said there's a lot of consolidation. Going on right now in that business Legal firms are buying legal firms You know
3: something about that Maureen was really Interested in wanted to. Yeah try. that's her thing, corporate mergers
4: Yeah it's a merger and it's very common within the legal environment Sometimes a, a group Will merge merge in with an existing firm Sometimes law firms will merge Together and the pressure that they have to grow, well, a lot of times that's an easy way for them them to do that. the The problem with that is that it creates conflicts many times for those practicing attorneys. So we've got a placement we're making right now. The candidate's been with this firm for about 11 years. They had a merger four years ago. And his business has a decreasing uh, – he's decreasing yeah, but by about 20% Maureen each thinks, year.
2: Maureen thinks, especially someone
1: like you who built such close friendships with his clients, <laughs> that, that you're in a fantastic position to make those introductions yourself. and in charge a substantial fee
0: for, for doing so, for facilitating mergers and acquisitions.
5: Is that true? And Maureen, yes. help me, because I have I, this time is yes, good, I so do so. think, I, I do think he's in an ideal such a position.
4: You thats something talk- i'm working that's something I'm growing too. There are other people that I look up to that have been doing this since nineteen eighty six There are other people that mentor me where and that's my whole attitude where it's always been i'm a student of the business i'm not an expert i 'm a student I want to learn about this yeah sure and okay. that's, that's why i like and that's why I like this niche because it 's new. It forces me to learn i 've got to read blogs i've got to read trade publications i've got to be educated on the legal niche every day. And it's uh, it's challenging, and I love it. I love it. I love it so much. How would you do
1: that, though? You're working with a, a client you've got, and, you know, you've seen the kind of uh, mergers that are taking place in your field, which you just said, hey, Mac, you know what? What, do you ever think about selling your company? Would you like me to introduce you to some people who might be interested? This is the fee I'll charge you. Do you ever do that?
4: Uh, I had a conversation with the chairman of a firm like that probably about nine months ago, and I don't know if they thought I was the right guy for them. Maybe their plan has been on hold. I'm not sure. But I explained it to them. I said, I'm really good at hunting elk, and the skills directly apply to hunting elephants. It's just a different type of game, a different type a of animal. And so – and they got that, and I, and I think there's still hope there with uh, – I've got some other things I'm working on with them that's going to move that relationship forward. But it was nice to get that sort of meeting and, and that sort of relationship with someone at that level and to be able to walk in knowing that – you know there, there was a shootout I was invited to where I, they're interviewing four search firms in one day and I'm the one that has the least amount of attorney recruiting experience and I was the one that got the business and sold three retainers with them uh, just because they understand that I know I can get people in front of you that other people can't get in front of you because of my people skills. And that's you mostly work
3: people. retained then, Scott? No, and,
4: and right. I've actually decided that's not the best model because the name of the game is making placements and when you work retained, exclusive, that means you have to reciprocate the exclusivity and you might have a candidate that for some Sort of fixed incompatibility, or maybe your client's brand within that practice area. The candidate's reluctant, but they want to move, and you can't present them to anybody else until your client says, "Okay, we're going to let them go." And law firms don't move quickly because you have all sorts of layers of of of, uh, of of people getting involved and making decisions. So I I'd lost out on a couple of placements with candidates. Okay, so where- what
1: people might not get what you're saying. What you're saying is. That if you've got a, 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 a retained relationship with a firm, and you say, "Look, Joe Schmo is 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 interested in interviewing with you," and they drag their feet, you can't mm-hmm. say, "Look, I got a, another position that I can place him in uh, on the other side of town." You can't do that.
4: You need That's to you saying? need to specify that and clarify the uh, the expectations up front with your client, and if uh-huh. it's where you tell them. I'm not going to present other candidates to you to other client prospects while you're engaging me on this search. You know, we but that have was a, a learning process.
2: Well, I've worked retain searches as well with
1: these big firms, and it's no different from, in my opinion, from a contingent search. But there's people. There was a guy on the show two or three weeks ago, and he's, you know, he belittles the contingency recruiters. He said, you know, they're two-bit operations. That's not true, is it? I don't think
4: so. I think search is different for different niches, different levels, and you need to find the right sort of model that works for you. When I was doing construction. For several years all I did was retain search, where it was nothing more than a commitment that was increased from my clients in a way that I can engage candidates with a much better uh, with a much better pitch. That sounded better when I said I've been retained exclusively by my client. You know, now you got okay, my I got, I got, there's,
1: there's almost no time left. I want to ask the Chris Fleet question. You kinda of said it and he's talking on Twitter, He reminded me about him. But Maureen,
5: yeah. come on.
1: You could, must have a few questions for Scott. I mean, he's he's on your wavelength.
5: Yeah. Come yeah. on, Maureen. Um, <laughs> Scott, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself. You said that these things can be taught. What, how quickly do you think you build affinity with a caller when you with, make a call, when you connect with someone? Not what's not. I said that wrong. Not when someone calls you, but when you call someone else. How quickly do you think you build an affinity?
4: If, if it's 15 minutes, I can have some authentic, uh, some authenticity with them in about 15 minutes. With some candidates, it really depends on what's going on in their life. It depends on what their openness level is to other things. If they're not very open, it might take me a little while.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, if
4: I can get them talking, if I can – and one of the uh, – there's a question I'll ask candidates. I'll say, let's let's say I had your dream job, and I was going to call you up and tell you about that, and it would make you f- world filled with rainbows and unicorns every day. What would that look like to you? And, and that's what I use calling these real high-level partner candidates, and they love it because they start laughing. Now we've got an emotional context to the relationship, And that's what you want. You want to have, and these are very smart people that think they're making intellectual decisions, but when it comes to sales, when it comes to recruiting and making a career move, it's all emotion, and you need to connect with people on an emotional level. So I'd say realistically anywhere between 6 to 15 minutes. If all the the planets line up, it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be uh, a very long call. Uh, Relationships are built on frequency of contact. Sometimes it might be the second or the third call before they reveal their whole hand to you.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: But uh, but I, I, I'd say between, like, 6 and 15 minutes.
5: Animal, does that surprise you? Yeah. Well, maybe that's not what I can. I have another ours. question for Scott. Scott, sure. go ahead. Do you find, are you surprised by the things people tell you? Let me say that another way. Um, do people tell you things that if you told other people what they told you, they'd be s- surprised?
4: <sighs> Let me think. I don't... I, I don't see a lot of drama. If, if you're talking, I don't talking mean. About I don't
5: mean. You know, my wife's having an affair. I mean, just mm-hmm. personal gut stuff.
4: Oh yes, I know what you mean. Uh, I am surprised. I am surprised. Uh, but but the, like like that one candidate I mentioned earlier. You know, it was when we we're having our breakfast. When he told me forty-five minutes into the breakfast, this is what's going on within my firm, mm-hmm. and just some real grave concerns. And this is very serious to him. Uh, is, so, so, yes, it is kind of surprising that we can get people to reveal their life story you know, and, and some very intimate details. In of, one call? Uh, in one call, yeah. usually for something mm-hmm. like that, it might take about two or three calls. But, uh, but, but yeah, it, can, it up can happen, happen, on the happen in one problem.
5: call. It can yeah.
2: happen in one call. Do you agree? Yeah, I
4: agree with that. And and I have had people that they don't know who we are. We could be, we could be someone sent by their boss. That's right. Sent, sent you by, you, by you think boss. to yourself,
5: this guy doesn't know who I am. Yeah. And sometimes animal, I'll say to them, you don't know me from Adam.
4: Yeah, that's right.
5: Well,
1: the thing is, once they close the door, they start telling them immediately on that first call why they might want to move, what's wrong there. We have to leave that there. why
5: Why they might want to sell.
1: What? Well, no, not, that's another question. Well, he, he told us why. That's a want. different
4: blog radio show. This is a recruiting. Yeah, actually, show, what do I get to a talk a about? Counting business. cards, animal. I was going to give tips.
1: Uh, okay, <laughs> you know, Chris Fleek. Sorry, I, I came. I had your, your 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 question programmed in, but we never got that far, and I didn't see you till the end of the show. Give us a couple of tips in the last. About playing cards in the last few few minutes, okay?
4: Yeah, sure, sure. Well, uh, I, did
1: you have you had a good time? I mean, are you feeling it? The 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 love we have for you here. Wait, what do you say? No. You can say No, no
4: I am. It's great. Great
5: group. I have one question. Um it sounds like you use humor a good deal to connect with people.
1: I, I tried to build a relationship when I said that. It was an overstatement, sorry. <laughs> oh, no. go ahead.
5: Who was that? Animal?
1: For, for Scott ahead. Love. Last question. It's your but,
5: last last question, Maureen. Go ahead. For Scott Love, do you use humor a lot to, to connect with people?
4: I do, but it's real light, it's real it's subtle, light. it's not mm-hmm. it's not over It's genuine. Yeah, I'm not. It's, it has to be real. It has to be part of part of conversation. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, it does. Like when I would call into people that were from Houston, I'd say, "Yeah, I grew up down in uh, Corpus Christi." Oh, yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mosquitoes and the humidity capital of the world. You know, ha ha ha, chuckle chuckle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I try to. I always try to find something we have in common. I'll ask people, "Where are you from originally?" And I can talk pretty much about any con- any part of the country like oh yeah i know so and so or i knew a friend or whatever you know that's a real easy way to connect with I'm people i'm going to tell
2: you your strength you believe
1: in sales and you believe in patter and if you tell a bad joke you don't care you don't feel
2: bad about it <laughs> you just you
4: just keep going now we
2: have to move to the after show you and me aren't allowed to participate
4: i think See it was Scott. a great show thank, thank you, you, Scott you. it was great talking world. with everybody oh, oh.
3: Here. I'm here.
2: You are, won't are, let me are you, are you give shifting, 100. Are you still doing 100? Are you shifting are
3: you business model? Yeah, 0 to 100.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Are, you, are, you, are you switching businesses?
5: No, I told you. Will you today, run out of the
3: sourcing world?
5: I told you today, sourcing companies is very much like sourcing potential candidates. You just
3: call, hey, is your company for sale? Basically. Well, what, are you just calling ice cream stores and stuff? No. I mean, how, how would, who's going to tell you whether their company's for sale or
5: not? Um, many, many owners will tell you if they're interested in selling, if they're interested in buying, if now's not a good time, but stay in well, touch. Well, perhaps this is a good time for me to. My company is for sale.
0: Okay. I was just going to say, my company is definitely for sale.
3: <laughs> hey, is that you, Mike? It is. Hey, man. How's the snow? It's snowing here. <gasps>
0: There's like 74 feet of snow in Boston.
3: Yes, <laughs> unbelievable. What did you think of the show, Mike? i
0: got to be honest, I called in at 12.58. I just called in for the after show. You make a good show.
5: You, you think so, Maureen? You Absolutely. think it was a good show? Why? <laughs> who's asking me that, Jerry? Me. Jerry?
3: doesn't matter uh, who's asking you.
5: The guy was just, um, <laughs> wouldn't confident. you talk to him? If he called you, wouldn't you talk to him?
3: Sure. I would. Yeah, well, I'd probably talk to anybody. And I think that he says
5: that can be taught. I don't know that it can be taught. No, about no. That. Some
3: some people just aren't personable. They're and not. I,
5: that's what I think.
3: No, you can't. You can't teach that to people.
5: Well, he said you can.
3: I don't think that's what he was saying. Yeah, uh,
5: I think well, that's he what he was saying. Well, he may have been
3: saying yes, that can be taught, and I can teach you by my books.
5: Mm, I know what you're saying, but I don't think that's what he was saying. I think he's sure? saying anybody's capable of it, and I don't mm. think they are. That's one thing I disagree with.
3: Well, Mike, if you didn't call in for the show, you only called in for the after show, do you have any announcements or anything that you'd like to say important?
0: I don't, Jerry, but a week could not go by without me hearing your voice.
3: Yeah, yep, yep. It happens to the best of us, man. Hey, I'll have you know that I took a customer out last night to not a Red Lobster.
0: You didn't go to Applebee's?
3: No. No Applebee's, uh... Actually it was the Studebaker mansion in South Bend.
5: You've been there,
3: uh, the uh you've probably been there with your kids going to uh, Notre Dame.
5: Jerry, let me ask you something. The
3: typical canoe place.
5: You know what, Jerry, we we plan on going there but we haven't been yet.
3: Oh it's super. It's like a it's like a just a real huge, real old it was the Studebaker mansion, so you know, they started the Automotive uh, company, and that was their hangout. And there's uh, it's a huge, real cool old place. Great, um, great menu. It was awesome, awesome. Well, if I knew you were going to be in South Bend. I may
0: have asked you to go to the Notre Dame School of Law, pick up my son, and you know, give him a few life pointers.
3: Yeah, maybe I'll hook him up with Scott Love, who is a recruiter for lawyers. You might, you might uh, be connecting with him down the road.
5: That'd be great.
3: Yeah. Hey, Maureen, you just had a question. You were having a question? Yeah.
5: Um, you said you went to meet with a customer, somebody yeah. that you want to do some recruiting for?
3: Someone that I am doing. Re- customer means actually paid me.
5: Okay. So somebody that you're working for.
3: Yep. Right? Yep.
5: All right. And um, does, is this the person that owns the company? No. Okay. Well, Should I have asked you know, him
3: if it's for sale?
5: Well, if you're dealing with the owner, like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you would should offer that as part of your services. So then,
3: who are you connecting with them? Connecting them with you? Cool. You, you, you in venture funding now? Capital? No, no, no. I'm just
5: interested in putting buyers and sellers together.
3: And so I'm you also, have buyers on your list. Yes.
5: Mm-hmm. Yes. But um, usually uh, buyers come out of my calls inquiring if they're interested in selling, because many times they'll say to me. Um, well, I'm not interested in selling right now, but I would be interested in buying, and this is what I'm looking for. It good goes morning. so hand in glove. It, Jerry, I'm telling you, it goes so hand in glove, and you would be really, really good at it. Good morning.
0: Good morning. If I want to buy a local temporary staffing firm, I should reach out to you?
5: Probably not. <laughs> what? The? Probably not. So then
3: are are you licensed to do this is it just like a recruiting Well
5: place? I'm what I'm suggesting we do is we do this with private companies we don't we can't we can't do this with public companies I don't know enough about public companies but you know there are SEC yeah. requirements and licensing there are states that require a real estate license in order to sell a business. um in them, there. I think there are thirteen of those, or maybe fifteen in number. Um, I am a real estate broker in Ohio, and I do have reciprocity with many states. And the states I do not have reciprocity with, I can gain. Uh, it's what amounts sounds to sounds like a pipe license. dream. Hmm?
3: Sounds like a pipe dream. Put down the weed, Maureen. But it's
5: obvious that
0: Maureen's female because see how quick she shot me
3: down right I'm off the sorry. bat.
0: Call somebody yeah. else. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Maureen, so you, you're you just thinking about doing this, though. Is that your thing? Is that what you're saying?
5: No, or I'm you, doing it.
3: You are doing this. Mm-hmm. And so the buyer says, Oh, I'd be interested in finding X, Y, or Z. You call them back and say, I've got it. And then you just charge them a
5: fee? Well, I'm asking them to split my fee. And so far, um, my buyers and sellers have agreed to split a fee. And it's a modest fee. It's not, you know, ten percent or twelve percent.
3: Then what is it? Dear um, friend friends, Maureen, two, we're talking three, about a business model. Three and four percent of the
0: purchase price. That's correct. Maureen, what kind of businesses are you targeting?
5: Right now, I'm working on manufacturing, um, uh, service, and sales, repair businesses, mostly in the mid, you know, the middle part of the country.
3: So, like a. Company that's going to sell for like half a million dollars.
5: No, it's a company that'll sell for twenty or twenty-five million dollars.
3: Really? Hm.
5: So, Mike, I wasn't being smart when I said that. It's just that um, I'm not working in that space.
3: Well, that fee would be seven hundred and fifty
5: thousand dollars. You do. I'm glad you can do the math.
3: As soon as you do that, feel free to give me a call. I'll come down. I'll celebrate with you, (laughs) and then then we'll put a plan together.
5: Okay.
0: So given the the, the, the numbers that have been out there in the last, like, 18 to 24 months, I've actually been giving serious consideration to getting into the temporary stopping business, and – I thought rather than bootstrap another company, it might make sense to buy one, which is why it's, I was asking. It
5: probably does make sense to buy one, Mike. It probably does. Because so it's, probably an not, it's, an instant, it's an instant gain. It's going to cost you some money, but it's an instant gain, and it might put you a lot further down the road faster than if you tried to grow something like Jerry has organically. When you guys are looking at buying staffing agencies, you're looking at taking on their entire executive team mm-hmm. for three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you
3: don't want in on that. That's a bunch of hooey. But see, I, like
5: I'm uh, pulling everybody out. I just want their book of business.
3: Yeah, but here,
5: yeah. Yeah, but their book of business isn't worth anything without the executive team. It's better to bootstrap it yourself.
3: But, but really, though, uh, Mike, the uh, the name of the game in temp staffing, and that's what you're talking about, right? Temping. Yep. Yeah. The name of the game there is your unemployment cost and your workers' comp cost and over a period of time your your unemployment cost goes up, especially if you're in temps because you have everybody the everybody hitting back on your experience account. So so you'd be buying a washed out, stretched out unemployment rate and that's where the margin is. That's why some of these companies it's called it's called uh, something dumping, like where they just switch their names and go get a new unemployment insurance account number, so they're back to two percent instead of nine or eleven percent. Because most temp jobs are like ninety days, four months, and so that's where your margin is. That that's that's huge. So you don't want to buy buy a used one.
0: So I was part of the executive team at Manpower a number of years ago, at we were self-insured, which meant that we uh, we fought every goddamn unemployment or disability claim, and it got to the point where I spent half my life in hearing. So I'm a little, I am familiar with that, actually.
3: Yeah, so that's why higher-end contracting is where you need to be. That's the sweet spot, and you just go do that on your own. You, you, you wouldn't buy you wouldn't buy a company, I wouldn't think. Yeah. And I wouldn't see why anybody actually would sell for less than what their contractors are going to be billed out for over time anyway.
5: anyway well, who, order said to it out. For who said they would sell for less? So, so not to
0: not to um, drag this topic out, but I actually had a CPA that I know look into it, and despite the fact that temporary staffing numbers are up, the value, you know, the typical four, five, six times valuation it's not nearly there as a stopping
5: firm. So I
0: mean I think if a small it's about staffing firm to two, firm
5: two is doing, if
3: if two. Exactly. So I'm thinking that if a small staffing firm is doing fairly well, it could be a hell of a bargain actually. Yep. Well, there you have it.
5: But you know you're you have to consider that you know like somebody with Jerry the the um, stable that he has is there because of his personality. If you're you know are you going to come in and replace Jerry's personality? I mean that's what that you have would to be ask yourself. Maureen. Well, I that would think be, that's what you would that say. Would but but, that
0: would be ridiculous, easy because I think my clients for <laughs> riding my Mercedes to an upscale restaurant. We don't
3: ride in a pickup truck and go to Applebee's. Hey, I last night was the best of both worlds though, Mike. In my pickup truck, we went to the Studebaker Mansion. It was like it was like the best of both worlds, man. Mike, I almost wanted to four-wheel through the grass part of their parking lot just Mike, to show them what the old diesel could do.
5: Let me tell Mike something. Mike, I've okay. been there. I've done all that. The next vehicle I want is a truck. Everybody's
3: getting trucks now.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm not a truck guy. It doesn't go to the pinky ring.
3: These trucks are nice, though, now, man. No, I mean, they're nice.
0: You know what? I had Escalade for three months, and I traded it right back in. I didn't like driving a
3: truck. Yeah, that's that's a hip-hop artist fake poser vehicle. Escalade, come on. <laughs> All right.
2: Hey,
3: Mike, give me a, give me a score anyway.
0: <laughs> How can I score something did right in here?
3: Hey, I don't care. <laughs>
0: Right, I'm gonna give Animal an 80 because uh, he actually did get me right on the sh- uh, right on the after show as soon as I called in. Great. And uh, I'm gonna give your guest a hundred because we haven't had a good show in a long time. I heard Animal uh-huh. say at the end of the show that it was a good show, so I'll give okay. him the benefit of the
3: doubt. All right. Hey Rebecca, are you still with us? Yep. Uh, what did you think of the show? And Scott Love, uh, he's kind of a kind of in your neighborhood with the training and the different stuff.
5: Yeah, um, I like I like his stuff. So it was nice to uh, I moved some appointments today to listen to the show. So a ninety and a ninety. I like Scott Love. I mm-hmm, love his stuff. hmm hmm
3: And Maureen.
5: I'm going to go with a hundred and a hundred since we have a hundred now.
3: See, I knew it. I, I knew as soon as Mike said a hundred, I thought, "Great, open the floodgates." Maureen never has gate. to think again. Hundreds always. Hundred hundred. <laughs>
5: And Maureen, Are may I
3: people say, telling me this was the best show in the history of the animal show? I don't think so.
5: Well, no, I'm not saying that. You never let me score 100 before. I would have scored other shows a 100.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
5: Okay. Hey, all right. And, morning.
0: may I say that you commented on something I said on Facebook yesterday, which you don't do very often, and it was just a pleasure to interact with you on Facebook.
5: What was that? What comment was that? I know I, I did uh, comment on something with you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember, I remember. Well, thank you. Okay. I thank you, thank you.
3: Maureen is just a wonderful social butterfly, isn't she?
5: I've been on Facebook um, more in the last couple of days than I've been on my entire yeah. life.
3: Now, Mike, you know I've gone camping at Maureen's house before. Have you ever heard that
2: story? <laughs> uh, I have heard that, actually.
5: I heard yeah. you that. Hear it. That was yeah. fun. Yeah. I. Um, Brianna keeps asking when you're coming back.
2: <laughs> well, see, I tell you, uh,
3: Maureen, he, Mike would like your husband.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they yeah, kind of yeah, have
3: that East Coast deal.
5: Yeah, he would. He would like him. Brooklyn born and raised. Gun enthusiast. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Is conservative?
3: Mm hmm.
5: Yeah. Well, there you go.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Anybody else uh, call in, or is it just the four of us chit chatting? Anybody listening? No? Oh, uh, no, well Kathy, uh, I
0: wanted to hear more about SourceCon. Hear more about what? I said, no, Kathy Mattis, I wanted to hear more about SourceCon.
5: Who goes to SourceCon? Sourcing is dead.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: well, the fun, you know,
3: okay, because that was last week, right? <laughs> They're yeah, all in denial,
5: time. but sourcing is dead.
3: Uh, I was very vocal about challenging the best person that SourceCome could come up I with saw that. To, would a, take you on. to a duel. And nobody would. <laughs> <I know. laughs> a sanctioned You know why, match.
5: Jerry? Jerry, let me tell you why. Because they can't.
3: I know it. <laughs> well so okay, so so they after the fact, one of the one of the uh, I, I don't know, vendors or sponsors and they're they're I'm sure that they're all great people. So this isn't meant to disparage anybody. But they posted that they're having a you could win 250 bucks if you win this sourcing challenge. Take these quizzes or whatever. So I asked, I said is it a real challenge or is it just like a whoever signs up you're going to draw the name out of a hat?
5: <laughs> yeah, count me in. So
3: the person said the the person answered, "No, you you have to answer all five of the questions." correctly and then if there's more than... Because there was already a couple people that had already answered him correctly. So I'm like, okay, well I sent it to my, my top sorcer. Ten minutes later she sent me a an email back. She said, That was fun. What did I win? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still trying to figure out what did we win? Oh,
5: I'd always thought I was your top sorcerer Jerry.
3: You're you're been old replaying. school. I've this is, Excuse me. This, this, this. <laughs> you don't use the internet much, Maureen.
5: No, I don't really.
3: You really don't. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, you're you're selling big businesses now. I mean, big business. I'd I'd let I'd let my company go for seven and a half right now.
2: Mm-hmm. But I'm not
3: staying on board, and I'm taking my contractors with me.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Hey, people... <laughs> let's also address the fact that you're going to be my new vendor screener. So you should be getting calls to me again
2: starting this week. Dude, any
3: time. Hey, I will legitimately, as a courtesy to my East Coast connection, screen them all. Every one of them. Send them my way. Because there's uh, got to be right. a good recruiter out there somewhere.
5: There you go.
3: But, yeah, Boston um, is a rat race.
0: There's uh, there's ten recruiters in Boston right now that can't seem to find me a junior MySQL
5: DBA. So... uh if you
2: think you work that out,
3: give me a call. All right, man. I hope everybody Jared, has a great I don't week. Want you, Jared,
5: I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I'm still doing phone sourcing. This is just a nice add-on.
3: i tell you what, Maureen, and I hope hope Mike isn't still listening. You phone source me a MySQL DBA, okay, for a, for a customer in Boston. I'll give you 300 bucks.
5: <laughs> okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. I'll yeah. get right on it. Is that a deal? <laughs> Can I, ask, can I ask you a legitimate business development
0: question? What? Can I ask you a legitimate business development question? Yeah. Because I don't know much about what you do, but I need about seven or eight salespeople in some in Boston, some in other places around the country. Mm-hmm. And I've given several vendors a list of companies I want to see people out of, and they don't seem to be succeeding
5: at that. Is that what you do? Yeah. Uh, yeah you give me a list of target companies. I'll go in and I'll pull their entire sales team. I'll bring them back to you, and then you work your magic
3: however if i can just if I can just kind of add here, those will just be their names.
5: It will be their names yeah regardless I'll try to get you
3: interest career level right. or anything at
5: that point. it's up to Mike to you know contact but he'll have the entire sales forces of specific target companies, which is very cool, mhm, yeah. My customers so. can, you send, can you send me an email? Let's,
0: sure. uh, let's a call for Monday because I might be able to, uh,
5: is this open? What's your I email?
0: Monday. What's your email? It's mike.astringer mm-hmm. at humancapitalconsultants.com.
5: Okay, I'll send you an email. Now, you know Mike,
3: what? if she doesn't send you that email right away, keep in mind she's putting together a $750,000 deal right now.
5: Jerry, come on. No,
3: I I'm just, that. I'm just, hey, I'm trying to help you, Maureen. I'm trying to well, make it No, Well, that's seem
5: not right. helping. I mean,
3: why not? Um, it's
5: not.
3: Have I overstepped my enthusiasm for yeah. You're the stupid
0: here, not me! No, I'm completely serious about
5: that, Maureen, because
0: I've got these roles that I don't even have time to recruit on, and I'm getting a lot of pressure, and my vendors are giving me nothing.
5: Okay, well. Here I am. It's in your email now, mike.astringer at humancapitalconsulting.com.
0: Consultants. What? Human Capital Consultants, not consulting.
5: Okay, consultants. Consultants. Plural? Plural? Yes. Yeah. All right.
3: You can't find an agency to recruit some sales people? Is, is sales a tough one to recruit in then? I guess I never have.
5: It sounds like it's probably technology sales. What What is it, Mike? We're looking for people that have sold data to marketers. Have sold what?
0: Data to marketers.
5: What is ADA? Data, D-A-T-A, oh. data. Data, okay, sorry. Okay. Yeah.
3: I can't even bear to be a part of this. Why is that, Jerry? Uh, just the bad cell So you're cell talking phones about the Herages,
5: um, the research companies of the world? Yeah, like the Data.coms, the Chainsaws, oh. okay. the Zoomings, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Maureen is the best. I wouldn't say that
5: either, Jerry. <laughs> 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 I guess that's the more that all see us do business together. I guess
2: animals doesn't want us to do business together. Oh, I don't
5: know.
3: Animals, yeah, animals starting to feel like maybe... He doesn't like what's going on here. So I'm going to I'm getting out. I'm leaving. I'm hanging up.
5: Okay.
0: I'm getting I scared. guess I will because the last thing I ever want to do is offend animals. No, why well, don't you just call her on a phone and she can hear you on, okay? So
5: you
3: do admit to sabotaging this <laughs> vital business discussion.
1: Animal the let place for this. it, Jerry. If you were a, a proper moderator, you would have said, "Why don't you get on the phone after the show?"
3: Okay, hold on. Hold on, Animal. Hey Mike, why don't you call Maureen after the show? Stop sucking down the time of my show that Animal has shared with me. Guys,
4: <laughs> what
0: you're not realizing though is that if recruiters here if recruiters doing business on the show, Ooh. you might increase your listenership. True. Yeah,
5: there's a point. True. Okay, everybody, enjoy the week.
0: Do I, do I wish you the best the Bye everyone.
2: See you on the Bye. back. Bye. Bye.